Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Wow, you are quiet. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's much better. I was a little concerned. This is good. Hey, I'll tell you what. This morning was extremely exciting. I spent uh, too much time in Ukraine, and I feel a little discombobulated this morning, although my lesson is done, and uh, you have it printed, which is good. If you did not get a printed lesson, Jeff has a couple there. Uh, we didn't get them printed until a little bit later, so... If you need a lesson, just raise your hand and, and uh, Mr. D will, will get that for you. That'd be great. And so I lost my lesson here. Okay, now we're all together. Uh, I have to share with you that uh, this lesson this morning on prayer, intercessory prayer, God gave me an object lesson this morning as I spoke to the evangelist there in the city of Ustgarad. He was in Nikopol, Nikopol, uh, Ukraine, if you've been watching the news at all, which I'm, I'm sure that you've heard at least something. Nikopol has been bombed, and uh, there is a nuclear power plant that was bombed by the Russians right close to that. And so many people fled, and so this gentleman uh, fled to uh, Ustarod with his family and three other families from the church, and they're establishing the church there. And so here in the midst of being a refugee in his own country, working to establish the church, Oleg Zelenin reaches out to him, and he said, oh, absolutely, positively, you tell me when uh, Nicole is going to be going back to Odessa, and I'll make sure that I'm there available to immerse her into Christ. We take for granted the blessings that we have in this country. This lesson this morning that I'm about to pray, do not forget. Don't forget this lesson. I was a little bit ashamed this morning when I was drinking my cup of coffee and the peace of living out in the country. Now, God has granted that to me and I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful to be living in this country now. But I hear so oftentimes people complaining about how bad it is. In comparison to other places in the world, it's still an amazing place. It's the green tree right now, and we should be deeply thankful. And we should be learning right now and preparing ourselves right now for a time that may come in the very near future. We don't know, do we? We don't. And yet, I can't imagine what they're going through. And talking with him, there were no smiles and it wasn't the thousand-yard stare, but it was pretty close. And yet he's still committed to serving the Lord, even in that challenge. I mean, you got you got me going. Gabe, it's great to see you here this morning. Everybody's been praying for you. Man, you're a rock star in my book. It's awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Mom, being here. And little sister, of course, we love you too. So it's awesome that you're here. A great inspiration. All right? And so we got lots and lots of great words of encouragement. And I sure appreciate that we've been stepping up with these words of encouragement. The scripture in more than one place says we should be encouraging each other every day. Not just Sunday with little pink slips, but every day. So I encourage you to encourage. Here we go. The Braggs. Oh, thank you. I saw, oh, and I have another one here. It's awesome. 
I probably left some down there. So the Braggs, the Bragg, Bragg Technical Assistant with Fence Repair. Justin for loaning me the, the tank. Whatever that is, I have no idea, but let's give it up for the Braggs and their servants are. Woohoo! All right. I got a great picture of this man on a ladder. Man, was he a, a tall drink of water. Jeff Sharon, you light up our lives, obviously, I can see. Thank you for raising, <laughs> thank you for raising to the occasion. That's awesome. All right. Mr. Jake, big bold letters. Mr. Jake, I like when you lead prayer meditation from the Maxter. There you go. All right, Max, thank you. That's great. Mr. D, thank you for being the, an example for me. Mr. Braxton, all right, there you go. We're going to give you a little exercise this morning. You're running the marathon today. Here you go. Gabe, we're so happy to see you. I'm guessing it's from Ty or Braxton or Max. Ty, is that from you, Ty? From Ty. There you go. Julie, you make me smile. You make me laugh, especially when you dance in church and are such a great encouragement in these crazy times. You are such a shining light of God's glorious character of joy. And she is really cutting a rug this morning, man. I'm telling you what. It's great. It reminds me of King David when he was dancing unto the Lord. Amen? Uh, you guys don't get to see that, but I'm back there and I can just... Something's wiggling over in the corner of my eye. <laughs> it's great. Heidi, here we go. Across the room now. Your smile and gentle presence is such a blessing to me and the church family. Amen to that one. I can say amen. I'm so thankful for your commitment to being the light to your physical family and an encouragement to the spiritual family. Keep rocking it at Jerry's or wherever life takes you. There you go. Let's get over Heidi. So here we go, Steiner family. Your example of faith and hope in the challenges you face is truly inspiring. It is truly a blessing to see you here. And I can say amen to that one. That's so awesome. It's great. Angie, Angie F. Angela, I heard, is legal. But Angie, <laughs> you, <laughs> you are so sweet and encouraging. Your presence seems to brighten the room. And you have such an amazing personality. And if you don't know that, well, then you're dead. Amen for that one. That's a good one. All right. I can't even tell you what a blessing it is to see you, big eyeballs with a big grin, Gabe, Janelle, and Ellie. What a huge encouragement it is to have you in the assembly today. Woohoo! It's great. It's awesome. I miss those smiles. Thank you, everyone at Pleasant Hill, so much for all your prayers and support while I've been in the hospital and having a hard time. Having a hard time, man. This guy's a rock star, Gabe. But that's for us, not for Gabe. He gave it to us. What am I doing? <laughs> All right, Ken, we so appreciate your hard work in serving the body, but also the smiles and laughter. I'm going to add and interesting puns. You are such a blessing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's Angie again. Angie, little little heart now. You are such a sweet woman, and your smile is straight up sunshine. Thanks for blessing us with your uplifting presence. All right, there you go. 
Woohoo! What a great, what a great. Oh, and Gabe, this is yours. You were you weren't here last week. Were you watching us last week? Okay, here you go. Gabe, your faith and bravery continues to illuminate the light of Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? Wow. Thank you for sharing your gift of music with us and being here with us. Yes. Serious. It's awesome. Woohoo! All right, sorry, that's a downer. We got a cleaning list here. <laughs> what a way to start, right? Here we go, I'm gonna start it here and we'll just pass her around. There you go. Wow, okay, now we're moving on to funner things, funner things. All right, college age. Even though Mr. Compton and Mrs. Compton, we're leaving the country for a couple, three days. Well, we're going to Sisters, Oregon. All right. Uh, and the Logan house, the Logan and Julie Drillinger house, party tomorrow night starting at 545, but you have to be college age, college age. Sorry if you're older or younger, well, party some other place. All right. So if you don't know where they live, go talk with them and they'll, they'll give you the, the lowdown. All right. Wednesday night's going to be happening at the Kirkpatrick place. And uh, I'll be preaching some more on Hebrews 4. Thursday. Melissa and Kirk are over at uh, Alvador Christian Church this morning, but they'll be back Sunday nights and on Wednesdays. And so uh, Thursday nights, I'm assuming she's going to be home to have a great lady study. So this coming Thursday. And then uh, birthdays is Jamie uh, Bamper's birthday coming up this week and Vaughn Halstead. Vaughn Halstead. Now I know he looks 19 or 20. He's not. He's 17. I mean, blow me away every time I hear that, okay? So anyway, happy birthday, Vaughn, coming up this Thursday, right? Okay. Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? All right, let's sing. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Can't believe you're 17. Happy birthday to you. Woo-hoo! All right. Are you as tall as your dad yet? No. How much more you got to grow? About two inches. Good night. Your dad's a monster. <laughs> in a good way. It's a good way. But make sure you, you tell him it was in a good way. <laughs> all right. Okay. So we got all the announcements done. Any other announcements I need to, to share? All right. Let's grab our Bibles. Second Corinthians. We've been doing this little mini-series, as you, you could tell, and uh, this morning we're going to finish that up, I hope. Any, anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, the last verse in this series. We've been reading uh, verses 3 through 11, and uh, we need to recall what we have been working on, but I want to read just verse 11 this morning and then bring it back into the context and then share some context uh, uh, once again this morning. Well, what's, what's going on with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine? It says in verse 11, You also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. You know, when you read that, when I read that, and I've read it a lot, I never really fully understood what it meant. 
I think maybe the Lord was helping me understand it in a very practical way when I talked talked with Sergey this morning, or talked with Sergey through Anne, my interpreter. Anyway, I'll tell you what, it's amazing when you find out that a brother or sister in Christ is in desperate need. And I know, Gabe, there's been so many praying so fervently, night and day for you. And so uh, I appreciate you understand that and appreciate your being here. But what about the brother over there that had to escape the city that was bombed out and now has relocated? He's never been to this city before, but it's on the western side of Ukraine. But he takes his family and a couple other families from the church to establish the church there. So the church continue to have presence in Ukraine. He wants to go back. And his plan is to go back. But while he is there, he's going to plant the church. Now, how many of us would have that mindset? How many of us would have that mindset if there's a war going on and we had to we were displaced and had to go somewhere else? Would we be thinking about establishing the church? I mean, it just blows me away as I was chatting with him. Do you think he is worthy of our prayer coverage? I think he is. So I want you to write his name down. His name is Sergei. How do you spell Sergei? S-E-R-G-E-I. Well, that's how you spell Sergei in uh, uh, English letters. Sergei. Now, how did you pronounce his name this morning? I taught you how to pronounce it, and I've already forgotten it. Well, come on up here real quick. You get to say it again. It's right there. Can you read my writing? Shupishov. 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 Yeah, Shupishov. Shupishov. That kind of sounds kind of cool. Shupishov. All right, here we go. S H U P. Go ahead and write it down. S H U P I S H O V. He is the, and he's a young man. He's probably 32 years old. And you can tell he's got young kids in the house. He had to step outside (laughs) in order for us to talk. And so, uh, I'm telling you what, man, that guy's got some some heavy-duty conviction, and I so appreciate that. And so I'm excited to be able to spend more time with him and see if we can get together and encourage one another. So I'll continue to keep you uh, informed as I am able to spend time with him. Uh, Oleg will help me, and so that'll be great. Now, why do I say that? Because this verse here has so much meaning to us right now, as we continue to pray for Gabe and his family, and as we continue to pray now for Sergey and his young family, and all those who are struggling because of satanic attacks. We need to practice this so that we'll be more quick and fervent in our prayers. Let's read the context now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, 
so also are our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And our hope for you, brethren, is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Now, we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, on whom we have set our hope, and will yet deliver us. You also joining, and I'm going to add something here, brethren. Are you ready? You also joining God in helping us through your prayers so that on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. God wants us to beseech him in intercessory prayer for the brethren who have needs and not be self-focused. I don't know about you, but the United States church as a whole has a tendency to be self-focused. All the stuff, uh, challenges I got going on. Now, I'm preaching about me. I'm not preaching about you. If the shoe fits, go ahead and wear it. But the reality is, is that I think I'd be a much more effective servant in the Lord's church if it wasn't many times, too often I would tell you, it's about me. We need to be really about what is most important to the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the stuff you need will be given to you. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. You put the church first. You're saying, I can't do that. Oh, then I'll just leave my kids behind. Your kids are a part of the church. Your wife or husband is a part of the church. Seek ye first. Put your husband or wife's needs first. Put your kids' needs first. Put your brethren's needs first. You're saying, what about me? Well, if everybody is doing that, everybody will be covered. Amen? But when someone says, I'm not doing that, because if I do that, then I won't have anything left. Well, then that's pretty contagious, isn't it? Isn't that contagious? I got mine, and I'm hanging on to it. Well, the next guy goes, well, wait a minute. If I'm just pouring out my heart and this guy's not giving back, why would I want to do that? That's stupid. Look, Jesus Christ gave his every moment for you and I. Amen? Amen. Am I lying to you when I say that? Am I just making up a good story? Or is it really true? When you take a look at the hostile witnesses, the Jewish historians, the Roman historians, they marveled at the church because the church gave themselves to serve one another sacrificially. Together, as a community of people, there's greater strength than just one person or one family. Did you catch that? Together, there's greater strength than the one person 
or the one family. Jesus came and died for the one. But he died so that the one could become a part of the family that he would establish. That's why we need to learn to trust each other. That's why when we say, hey, I got your six in prayer, that you actually do pray for that person. And I don't know about you, but I'm just talking about me right now. I've said that before. In fact, I might have said it for you. Hey, I'll pray for you. And then I get right into my busy schedule. And what did I forget to do? Well, you go ahead and tell on me. That's fine, because I'm doing it. What do I forget to do? I forget to pray. Well, you got two choices. Number one, keep your yapper shut and don't pray. Or say, I got your six in prayer and then do it. Is it important to let people know you got their six in prayer? Meaning got their back in prayer. Is that important? Absolutely. We want to encourage each other. Especially when someone says, man, I'm really struggling. I'm having a hard time. This is tough. I'll pray for you. And then you don't. Or you say, well, because I probably won't pray for you, I won't tell you I'm going to. Never would you say that, of course. Would you just pray for them? That's fantastic. But knowing that someone's praying for you, is that powerful encouragement? Yes or no? Yeah. Well, has it been a blessing to know that, man, we're talking coming out of the woodwork, people are praying. Has that helped you? Has it been a blessing? Absolutely. It is for me. I was driving down the road one day, this last week, was it this last week, Tamara? And I said, I got this new study going on and I want to make sure you got their name because I know when I'm walking in today that you're going to have already pulverized Satan's clutches on him with prayer. And so they're just going to be looking for hope and I'm going to give it to them and then we'll get them. I'll tell you what, man, when I went into that study, I knew that the devil had been pulverizing that person's life. Why? Because God honors the prayer, the effective prayer of a righteous man or woman. Isn't that what he says? That's what he says. I believe that. It's powerful. You're saying, well, get to your sermon. I will. I will. I'm getting there. I was pulling a, I was pulling a Brian Bragg. You know how Brian Bragg introduces a sermon? 30 minutes later. Oh, let's open in a word of prayer. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to be a long one. <laughs> All right, well, we're not, we already got the prayer done. That was my introduction. All right. Helping in times of peril. Look at that. Helping in times of peril through prayer. Fervent prayer is powerful in helping the saints. Well, that word helping there is an amazing word. Just, you might want to jot down, what does that actually mean, helping? Now, remember, you're helping a brother or sister by calling on God to help your brother or sister. Can I be there to help Sergey? No. Can you be there to help Sergey? No. But who's there who can help Sergey? God. Through others, through life circumstances and situations. You think angels can come and protect him when the Russians are showering bombs down? You think so? I know so. I know so. Do you believe the Old Testament that God in the Old Testament is the same God as the God today? Do you believe that? Man, talk about the protection that he provided for people in warfare. Absolutely amazing. He can do the same today. I can't be there, but God's there. Can I ask God to cover our brother, Sergei? Absolutely. We should. 
We don't know and understand fully, but this word is amazing. It means helping by joining the efforts of another. Helping by joining the efforts of another. Who is the one that these people were putting their trust in, particularly Paul and his companions? Themselves or God? Well, they're putting their trust in God. And then Paul says, and we're so thankful that you're joining in prayer to help us praying to God that he would send the strengthening that we need. Now, somebody said it this morning. I think it was Brian once again. He talked about God sending angels to help Jesus, right? What if we ask God to send angels to help Sergey? Do you believe that angels can help? Absolutely, positively, I do. Helping God to rescue, helping God. God, by your prayer, to rescue the Apostle Paul. Helping God in your prayer to rescue Sergei and his family so they might be able to preach the gospel. Amen? We can do that. Will God honor our prayers? Over and over and over again, we see it happen. I'm going to show you some examples. By the way, what were some of the common prayer requests by the Apostle Paul? His most common one, and I want to do this by Reader's Digest version. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but would you take a look at Colossians and chapter 4? Colossians 4. I'm just pulling the last one in that list of that second bullet point of point number 1. Colossians in chapter 4. This is one of my favorites in regards to Paul asking for prayer. He says, first of all, in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Man, we could complain a lot these days, I know. I do. You're saying you do? Yeah, but you know what? I catch myself. What am I complaining about? Man, I'm on my way to heaven. I still got a roof over my head. I still got food on the table. I can still pay for gas to put in my my car. Not so much in my truck, but my car. And uh, <laughs> anybody bought to buy a truck? Anyway, so uh, don't worry. I'm not going EV on you. I'm not going EV. I won't do that. But uh, the reality is, is that we need to be thankful for so much. We have so much. Well, he says in verse 3, praying at the same time, when you're praying, pray for us, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. You know what's he saying? He's saying, look, I'm working on Bible studies and he's actually working on the guards that he's with. He's working on the guards that he's in prison with. They have guards there with him. Can you imagine being stuck with the Apostle Paul? Good night. You mean I gotta be chained up? It's my time to be chained up to that guy. He's gonna preach to me for 12 hours. Paul's going, yep. (laughs) Well, you know, I think he was kind. I think he was thoughtful i think when he spoke to those guards he talked to them about the true hope in this life and you know many of those guards were actually converted i don't think he preached hellfire and brimstone i think he preached hope because they were all already living in hell on earth by by being in a prison a roman prison no less and so to speak hope and life into them powerful and so he was always praying would you pray that god would give me the right words How many of you know that people receive the gospel differently? Okay? 
People do. And so you need to present the same information, but present it in such a way that they'll be able to receive it. That's exactly what he's asking. But notice there's another important prayer type. Praying for other people. Take a look at that last bullet point in point number one. Prayer for deliverance by the saints for the saints. You're praying that God would deliver, rescue people, protect people, provide for people. And you're a Christian asking that for another Christian brother or sister. And so look at Acts chapter 12. Here, here is an amazing <clears throat> picture of the whole church at the time, which it wasn't really big. It was, you know, several million people, but or several thousand people, but it wasn't really big. And so in, in Acts chapter 12, well, compared to today anyway, it says the whole church was praying. Look at verses 1 through verse 5. And you're familiar with this passage, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. And this is about intercessory prayer. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he, and he had James, the brother of John, that's one of the apostles, put to death with the sword. I won't describe what they did, but it was a public execution and it was totally gruesome. And so every, all the Jews were excited when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. He was kind of the big ringleader at the time. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him. Sixteen Roman soldiers to guard him. He wasn't getting out. Intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And what do you think they're praying? They're praying that God would stay the day of execution, that God would somehow intervene and protect him. That's what they were praying. Now, we know they were praying that, and I'll get to that in just a bit. But I want you to turn now to listen to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's in prison. He's in prison in Rome. And he writes a letter to the church at Philippi, that beloved church. You know what's really interesting? Who was the second convert to the faith in Philippi? First was a lady, her name Lydia, but who was this, and, and her family. But who was the second family that was converted? What is it? Yeah, the, the Philippian jailer. Now, he, he was in the hole, man. Talk about hopeless life. And then he runs in after there's a big earthquake and he kneels down before Paul and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They're sitting, Paul and Silas are in the inner dungeons, sitting in nasty, smelly, human feces. And there's no indoor plumbing in it. There's no windows. It's gross. And they're singing praises to God. And he comes and he has to work in that every day. And that jailer runs in and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You obviously got something going on that I've never seen before, and I want what you got. Amen? Amen. And so he becomes a Christian that night. Wow. Now, Apostle Paul's in a Roman prison again. The church at Philippi is praying fervently for him. Who do you suppose is leading that prayer? Who do you suppose? That Roman jailer who was converted to Christ. 
You're saying, man, he's in prison again. We need to all be praying for him 24-7. You just don't know what it's like in a Roman prison. And, we, and he's in the Roman prison in Rome. Man, they were leading out in prayer. Let's read it. Philippians chapter 1. Take a look. When we understand history a little bit, we can more easily put ourselves into the hearts and the minds of the people that are doing what the Apostle Paul is speaking of. Look at, uh, if you would, <clears throat> verse 19. Paul says, well, actually, let's, let's read a little bit, a bigger chunk. Let's begin in verse 12. Paul says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. All these Roman soldiers are hearing the gospel and to everyone else. And, and, and most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to preach the word of God without fear. Now jumping down to verse, verse uh, 19, just before verse 19. Yes, and I will rejoice for I know that this this imprisonment will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. My deliverance will be granted to me through your prayers and the provision by the spirit of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Paul says, I know that your prayers are going to provide for my deliverance, that the spirit would powerfully move to deliver me and provide for me. Do we have that same belief? That if we pray for Sergey, that God will deliver him so he can continue to do the work and powerfully move in him through the Holy Spirit. Do we believe that? Today? Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is the God that those, those people in Philippi were praying to, that God would, that Paul would be delivered, is it the same God that we pray to today? Absolutely. If God did that back then, and by the way, he was delivered out of that Roman prison to preach another five years. And then they hooked him back up and finally had shut his mouth by cutting his head off. But man, I'm telling you what, the prayers of the saints delivered him to get the job fully done. The power of intercessory prayer. It's not that I have the power in me, except for I make the choice to pray for those in need. It's God who has the power. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God working through the faithful prayers of people who understand the power that God will grant through their prayers. Well, reading on, he says, uh, he says this in verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. When we pray for God's will and God's covering and God's protection, we keep praying that and keep praying that and keep praying that until God says, Paul, your tour of duty is done. You're coming home. Remember, the last chapter of 2 Timothy is powerful. He's excited to go home. He knew that it was the time, God's time for him. The power of intercessory prayer, point number two. Intercessory prayer powerfully moves the hand of God to send his angel contingents. 
Favor bestowed. You know what that word favor means? If you want to take a minute and jot it down, it means to be given a gift of deliverance from great danger. Literally, it means to be given a specific gift, to be given the gift of deliverance from danger. How many remember, and I know I've done this before, but it just absolutely always amazes me. Do you remember uh, the first Gulf War, um, or actually it was the second Gulf War, when one of our young women who was driving in a supply convoy, uh, the, the convoy came under attack, and they, they uh, kidnapped her, they took her. Do you remember that her name was Jessica something? What was her last name? Anybody right off the top of your head? I know her first name was Jessica. And she was, she was like this heroine because she fought until most people were killed. She kept fighting. She wasn't trying to fight, but man, she was fighting like a wildcat. And finally they grabbed her and she was kind of shot up and then she was in a hospital and Delta Force went in. And they got her. Man, that was awesome. You want to pray for God's Delta Force to go in and rescue people? Man, those people don't have a chance. You think Delta Force is bad to the bone? Well, Jesus is good all the way through. And he's going to send his angels. And there's nothing that anybody can do. Remember those soldiers outside of Jerusalem? Man, we're going to smack down on you, man. And, and Hezekiah showed God, look at what they wrote. And they said, they're going to thump on you and your people. <laughs> they woke up the next morning, 185,000 soldiers dead. Hezekiah prayed to God for provision. Do you believe that? I can smell the rotting carcasses outside of Jerusalem right now. I believe it so much. God is able to deliver. God is able to deliver. Are we going to pray because we know that? Pray because we know that and believe it? Brethren, I think we're going to see some of the greatest miracles when men and women of faith Pray for God's rescuing power in the church in the last day. You're going to see more and more people come in. The scripture clearly teaches that the, the wealth of nations will pour into the church at the last day. Why? The church is praying for power for those men and women who are serving him. To be given a gift of deliverance from great danger. To rescue or deliver from peril. I love this one. I found it in Thayer's. Of gracious deliverance granted in answer to the prayers of fellow believers. Gracious deliverance granted in answer to the prayers of fellow believers. You ask, God delivers. Now, I've preached before and not necessarily here, but I preached before, and people in the audience kind of roll their eyes like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you roll your eyes when you have so much history in the Old Testament? You have so much history in the New Testament, and many of us have seen the power of God work in our lives to deliver. Why? Well, not only does, does intercessory prayer grant deliverance, but it grants something else. The sweet aroma of gratitude and thanksgiving. Look at that next point. Thanks is given by many. 
to express deep gratitude for an unmerited gracious gift from the Lord, to be grateful and feel thankful and blessed. You know, when we recognize that our prayers, if we were to fervently pray for Sergei and come to find out that guy really builds the kingdom there because he's encouraged and empowered and there's immersion after immersion there, could we praise God for that? That the kingdom is growing? Did you know the Lord's going to come back when the last person is immersed into Christ? As soon as the kingdom is complete, that last person to make the decision, wouldn't it be amazing because of our prayers, that guy is delivered and he gets to immerse the last one and we don't even know it and bam, we all get to go home. Changed in the twinkling of an eye. We'll never know that till we get to heaven. And then we're all sitting around a campfire somewhere in the mountains at a men's retreat, you know how it is. And old Sergey goes, man, I just appreciate the prayers of these guys back in Pleasant Hill. I never knew them, but, but uh, oh, you were there? Oh, well, I appreciate your prayers. You know, when I immersed that last guy, all of a sudden I turned into a blaze of glory. And you're there? No, we kept praying for you. God delivered through the prayers of the saints. Do we believe, not in the power of prayer, but do we believe in the power of God who works through the intercessory prayer of his people? Over and over and over again, we see in Old Testament and New Testament, it works, it works, it really works because God said so. I will work in the effective prayer of the righteous man or woman. Let's close with this. When this happens, we can actually see the deliverance. Was there great deliverance by uh, for Peter? Yes or no? I love this passage of scripture. Go back to the book of Acts 12. And uh, I'll let you go ahead and look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 on your own. Paul was delivered over and over and over and over again. Because of the prayers, the, the effective righteous prayers, intercessory prayers of the saints. I, I want you to go back to Acts chapter 12. This is so miraculous. I know a lot of people probably don't believe it. But man, I'm so excited because it happened. I can't wait to get to heaven. Peter's going to say, you should have seen it. It was awesome. This one, this, well, I, will, I won't go into my story because I get a little carried away. Let's just read what God had to say. All right, here we go. Verse six, after this fervent prayer is going up for Peter, on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. By the way, they were shackled together. That was Roman protocol. So here's Peter. He's sleeping like a baby, and these two soldiers are locked up to him, shackled. And what does it say here? It says, on that very night, bound with two chains, guards in front of the door were watching over the prison, and behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. He probably whispered. And uh, his chains fell off his hands. In other words, what are these Roman soldiers doing? I suppose they're not sleeping because if they lose their charge, they lose their prisoner, they die. I don't know how God did it, but it's miraculous. It's powerful. Notice an angel. God sent an angel. His chain, chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, gird yourself, put on your sandals. 
And he did so. And he said to him, wrap up your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, by the way, the guard is four soldiers. There's two soldiers chained to him on the inside. Two soldiers on the outside of that jail cell. And there's two more sets of four that they got to get through. Notice, as we continue to read here, it says here, he went around and followed me. Wait, I got went to the wrong place there. Uh, immediately the angel departed from him. Well, I, I missed it again. Let's see, where are we at? Verse 10. And when they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself and said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth this angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people who were expecting. The people prayed for deliverance. And God sent an angel. He only needed to send one for 16 puny little soldiers. 185,000, he'll send a few more. Well, he only sent one there too. It's amazing, the power are you going to pray for deliverance? It works. It works. It really works because God is faithful. Let's learn to pray this way, brethren. Because there's going to come a day, as the Apostle Paul says, we were so overwhelmed with the sentence of death even in ourselves so that we wouldn't trust in ourselves but we'd trust in God who is our hope for he has delivered us. He's delivering us in this day and he'll deliver us on the last day. And Paul says, man, I am so thankful that you've joined God in praying for me and my deliverance because it's going to result in that gracious gift of deliverance. By the way, it did. We know from history, it did. And it brought about thanksgiving, abundant thanksgiving throughout the people in the body of Christ. We see it in Peter's life. We see it in Paul's life. And for those who are faithful, we'll see it once again. For God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Holy God in heaven, I have to be honest, and you know my heart. The scriptures have been so academic for so long. I thought I was pretty smart because I knew a lot. I'm coming to realize I don't know a whole lot, and you know it all. And I just got to get over myself, and I have to humble myself and realize that I can't do anything without you. In fact, none of us can do really anything without you. Oh, yeah, we can put food on the table, and we can, we can get gas in our cars, but when it comes to the impossible... We are absolutely helpless. When it comes to spiritual things, without your help, we are not able. And so, Lord God in heaven, because you have created us, you've created this world, you've created the church to fight against the evil one. Lord, as he seems to ramp, be ramping things up, we do too. Need to call upon you in effectiveness as those who have hearts of integrity calling upon you to help the brethren to grow strong and remain faithful during these very difficult times. 
Help us to get off ourselves and help us to focus on each other and the needs that we each have in our lives. Help us to practice this intercessory prayer so that, Lord God, when things get tougher, we'll be well-practiced and it will be something that we do automatically, Father, so that the angel armies will be sent to protect those who are preaching the word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's all stand up and get excited. Hey, what did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.